0: All right. Good morning, Four Oaks. It is Pastor Paul here on a Monday morning. It's January 31st. This year of 2022 is already flying by. So glad that you've joined us for this installment of the Four Oaks Pastoral Devotionals. We take 10, 15 minutes Monday through Friday to unpack a portion of God's Word. And we're running concurrently with our series in the book of Romans, where we're taking this time to to look back on the passage from the previous Sunday, to digest, pick apart, apply, dive deep into that text, maybe things we haven't gotten a chance to to, to really get into on a Sunday morning sermon. But this past week was a little, was a little different. <clears throat> we weren't in Romans. Pastor Scott pinched it for me in Psalm chapter one. Um, we had some positive COVID testing going on in our house and we're just now emerging from that fog. And you can probably hear Hear it in me, but don't worry. Um, We will not be infecting you, um, but do hope to be back in the clear um, this week and ready to go for next Sunday as we continue on in Romans 6. So what I thought would be good for us to do this week, um, knowing that we've spent now some six months in the book of Romans um, and we're approaching the halfway point, thought it would be good for us to sort of do a review of Romans 1 through 5 up to the point of where we stopped um, a week ago in Romans six preaching, and just do do sort of a flashback, um, sort of a touch point to remind us of the central themes of Romans, but also just the scope of what Paul is doing, where he's going. When you, when you do a long preaching series like this um, from a book and it goes on number of weeks, months, Sorry, I hear- e- even years, um, Thanks, Siri. That was super helpful. Um, it can be easy to kind of lose our place. It can be easy to to kind of miss the forest for the trees because we're diving into a different text every week. We forget the big picture. So, anyways, this week I want to I want to walk us back through Romans one through five, just as sort of a review, a touch point to get us up to speed so that we're back ready to rock and roll. Uh, this coming Sunday in in Romans 6. So obviously, we know that Paul is writing this letter. Um, he tells us that in the very first verse, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, tells us in verse 4, he's writing to the Christians in Rome. And what's unique and different about this particular letter that Paul is writing, he's writing it to a church he's never visited. This is a church of people he doesn't know, except by reputation. Now he does know some of the people that have come from the church in Rome. People like, um, Priscilla and Aquila, the husband, wife dynamic duo, missionary duo, he knows some other people acquaintances. He's heard about the church, but he hasn't visited the church. Now he tells us, um, in verse six here that he's always wanted to come to the church in Rome and and why wouldn't he? Right rome is sort of the modern day new york city it's the capital of the world it's where all the centers of power and authority and influence and population reside and paul has always seen rome as a place that he wanted to visit remember rome was not i mean the church in rome was not founded as far as we know by an apostle most likely the history of the church in rome is that there were roman Jews who came to Pentecost um, soon after Jesus had gone back into heaven after being risen from the grave. Um, Peter preached the message at Pentecost, and all these Christians, thousands came, all these Jewish folks became Christians um, during that time in Jerusalem, and many of them stayed there, many of them scattered and returned to their home. And we think that the church in Rome was probably started by some of those jewish christians who are now converts to christianity and it was a part of this fabric that made the church in rome unique because it didn't have a specific apostolic um apostle who was identified with the founding of the church but nonetheless um remember the reason that that paul is writing is probably twofold okay there's a couple of things going on Number one, remember, there is a pastoral context um, behind the book of Romans. So even though Paul had not visited the church in Rome, Paul was well aware of some of what was happening um, on the ground there. Remember that Claudius had expelled all of the Jews from Rome. I believe it was 49 AD. And he had expelled them because Jewish um traditional Jews were clashing with Jews who had converted to Christianity over Jesus the Messiah and Rome didn't care to 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 referee that intramural squabble they just banished everybody and so what happened is that what was left were Gentile Christians in the church in Rome and then over the next six years it was obviously all Jewish I'm sorry all Gentile Christians who comprised the church in Rome well in 55 AD Claudius died And this edict banning the Jews expired, and so all of these Jewish Christians began returning to Rome. Well, the church they came back to was not the church they left, right? The church now was comprised overwhelmingly with Gentiles, and here you had Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, um, who were purportedly to be unified in the gospel, but yet had very different cultural norms, cultural expectations there. There was they their expressions of Christianity, while centered on the same Jesus, just had different forms and applications and expressions, and so obviously this caused a great bit of disunity. And Paul has that pastoral context in the backdrop, okay, of of, he, of him writing, and he's taking the opportunity as he's writing them to to give a theology so to speak, of the gospel and its implications and what it's imp- what it meant for Jews, what it mean- meant for Gentiles, what it meant for the church. And you can see this thread running all throughout the course of the book of Romans. Paul will say, well, for the Gentiles, it is this, and for the Jews, it is also this. So Gentiles are, are, are sinful and messed up. Jewish Jews are sinful and messed up. Now, their sin looks different, right? but it's still um, the same sort of rebellion and separation from God. He makes the case that Jews and Gentiles are saved by the same gospel, by the same Jesus. Uh, The Jews and Gentiles are now unified in Christ. So that's a backdrop. So that's one thing that's going on as Paul is writing. There's a second thing though, and I think what prompted Paul to write in the first place, okay, is that Paul had an aspiration to go on to Spain to preach the gospel. So so flip back in Romans chapter 15. And remember, Paul is writing from probably the city of Corinth in 55, 56 AD. And he tells them um, what his plans are. So look at Romans 15, verse 22. He says, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they have we owe it to them. They owe it to them. For if the Gentiles had come, have come to share in their spiritual blessings, so they also, also be of service to them in material blessings. So here's, here's what's going on. Paul says, I'm in Corinth. We know he's in Corinth. And it's winter, so he has some time on his hands. But before he can, and he's anticipating his next journey, his next missionary endeavor. And for Paul, that means going to Spain. And the reason is, is that it seems that the gospel has not yet been preached in Spain. When Paul says there's no work left for him, it doesn't mean there's not um, plenty of ministry and people to reach in the areas he's already been. It just means that in terms of his apostolic ministry, preaching to people who've never heard before, Paul has extended himself into all the known world at the time, into um, Asia Minor and and the Middle East and Syria, Palestine, and then into Greece and Macedonia. And now Paul is anticipating wanting to take the gospel as an apostle to um, the people in Spain. And he knows, though, this is going to be a massive undertaking. And there's two things that have to happen. First of all, he says, I have to go to Jerusalem. I need to deliver this thing, this offering first to the Jewish Christians who are suffering in poverty. And then I will come to, to Rome. Now, what we know is that Paul makes it to Rome, but not in the way he anticipates. Paul doesn't come as a free man. Paul comes as a prisoner. He goes to Jerusalem. There is a riot. The Jews try to kill him. He's taken into custody. He appeals to Caesar, and then eventually Paul goes to Rome to have his case adjudicated by Caesar himself. Okay, That's a story for another time. But what what we do know is that at this point in time, what Paul wanted to do was to come to Rome, was to spend some time there, preach the gospel, teach, minister, serve, and then have the Roman Christians church send him out on his missionary endeavor to Spain. That was Paul's, that was Paul's plan. And Paul thus is taking this opportunity to want to write to them about, um, his plan to come to Rome so they could launch him out on his missionary journeys. And then doing that, he takes the opportunity to sort of give his magnus opus, his theological magnus opus. He wants, they don't know Paul, right? Except by reputation. And he wants to communicate to them the essence of the gospel. Um, he, he's establishing his gospel bona fide, so to speak. And in doing so, he takes the opportunity to lay out an, an entire theology, Christology of Jesus and salvation, justification. Um, all the while with this backdrop in mind of knowing the, the disunity they've been experiencing. So I think having those things in mind as we come to the book of Romans will help us. Because a lot of times we can approach the book of Romans like it was this theological treatise that just dropped um, on top of us from, from the netherworld, right? And it's just like a systematic theology textbook. Well, it's anything but. Well, there's tons of systematic theology, but it's not a textbook per se. It's a pastor's heart to a people he know is wrestling and so Paul's attempting to bridge to bring the gospel and to bridge their lives into that all in one fell swoop. Now, we do think possibly Paul because he went to Rome, um stood trial and was exonerated, released. We do think there's a there's a good chance he went on to Spain. Okay, but that's we don't know. All right, we don't know. We do know that eventually though Paul was imprisoned a second time and this time he was martyred, most likely in Rome, according to church tradition. But what we want to understand for today, okay, is is a reminder of Paul's context, where he was in his life, what he was writing for, what he was endeavoring to do, and 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 he uses Romans 1, 16 and seventeen as his launching off thesis statement for the rest of the book. And let's read it. We've we've camped out on it before, but let's remind ourselves for Paul, what it was all about. Paul says, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. (coughs) Excuse me. That's it. Everything Paul does is oriented, centered towards the gospel. It is the good news. It is that thing, that the proclamation of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus that for Paul animated his whole life, his whole world, his whole ministry. Um, for Paul, everything else receded into the background because without Jesus, there is no hope in life and death. And we want to be reminded of that this week too, for Oaks. As we, as we go back and retrace some of these steps of, of the book of Romans, let's remember that it... it be, all begins and all ends with Jesus. He is the center, he's the touch point, he is the magnification of the glory of God. Um, It is in him, through him, to him that all things owe their existence, their blessing, their redemption, and grace through his death and resurrection for us. And so, as we revisit Romans this week, just ask God to crystallize these two verses in your mind, to know that they are our life statement they're our guiding principle should be so sometimes life gets so busy um cluttered we get consumed with busyness the daily activities we forget okay that romans 1 16 through 17 is why we're here it's why we even have life eternal life it's why we have forgiveness of sins it's why we have a mission and purpose in this life and let god continually bring it to our minds all right let's pray lord Thanks for this opportunity to get back into your word this week and the book of Romans. And we pray, Lord, that you would fan into flame um, this vision of the gospel in our lives. And Lord, we commit this week to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everyone.